Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast, episode 125, in yeah. fact. Man, that's such a cool number. I don't know why, but like when you say that, I feel like it's got gravity to it. 125 episodes. That's a lot. And I think I've been here for all of them. I, I don't think... I don't think you have, but I think I've been here for all of them. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I've missed a handful, <laughs> but you've been here for all of them. Well, it, it's it's been interesting circumstances, man. You've had some big life changes going on recently. Whew, oh, no joke, man. We uh, we just finally finished moving, and uh, I am in my new office. Things are looking up. It's been good. It's been very good. I've been sick, though, for like a week, so you had to go and record some extra fancy stuff uh, for the AMP, and like, I'm always getting sick. I think it's just like built up stress over six or seven months. Now it's all getting <laughs> released. I'm feeling better. We're all good to go. That could be the case. I, I was sick myself over the weekend, but uh, I was able to get 124 out, and uh, people seemed to enjoy it. It was really fun. I, I can't wait for you to get to listen to it. There were some really interesting questions like uh, from the uh, from the Discord uh, that, that I had a blast uh, answering. And I would be curious, I, I bet there's a couple that upon hearing them, you will have your own opinions on them and will want to broadcast them to to the oh, listeners. Yeah. Hey, you know, maybe I'll do like a uh, listen on my YouTube channel or something and do like a live reaction to it. That would be Ooh, fun. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. So maybe, Ooh, maybe to, we'll little, have to do a little bit of cross promotion there. Yeah. Boom. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll post about it on our Twitter if you go live. I really like that idea. That would be super fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Well, what do you say we hop into episodes 131 and 132 of My Hero Academia? That is the two we're going to be covering this week. Uh, obviously, two good ones. We, we finally got answers to things we've been asking since episode one, and I'm pretty excited about it, but I feel like there were some confusing conversations, so I'm excited to hear your takes. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and hang a lantern on the fact that we are behind. Uh, as of the recording, the episode that comes out tomorrow, I think, is 135. Um, but it's, it's just life happens and we're dealing with it as it, as it comes. And that just means that once the season is over, which I don't think, I can't imagine it's going to go for maybe two or two more episodes. Maybe I figured we had maybe two, maybe one. It wouldn't surprise me if we got caught off guard again, like we do sometimes. Yeah. I think there's a, I, I remember seeing this core broken down into episode numbers, and I can't remember if it's 12 or... Yeah, I think it was 12, because I think the other one was 13. I feel like I even remember us having a conversation around, like, hey, how can we plan to not have that happen? And now I've totally forgotten, and I'm sure <laughs> yeah. because of the way that we've been recording things, it's all screwed up anyway, so... <laughs> well, the good, well, the good news is we know for sure we have one more episode of the AMP to come, because we're, we'll be covering 133 and 134. That's great. Uh, so sometime between the recording of this episode and the recording of that episode, so we'll get our heads screwed on tight on how many episodes are left in this core. The other thing that's interesting, too, before we jump into 131, um, is that this covers chapters 304 through 309. And I think that the the manga, like the newest chapter of the manga, is in like the 380-somethings. So it's like, it's close. Like oh, there's wow. not a whole bunch of content between where this anime season is going to end and where the manga actually is. I haven't done the math for like what each episode is usually covers like two, maybe three chapters. So you're talking, you know, if you did the math between, you know, the 70-ish episodes between, or 70-ish chapters between here and where I think the manga is, that will give you an idea of how many episodes of the anime that stands between where this season will end and where we, where they will be 
concurrence, which I can't imagine is going to be about two seasons from what I can think of, you know, so about 12, like if there were 12 episodes a season, 12 to, you know, 15 episodes a season, about two seasons. Well, we get like a big announcement in 131 that it's like, this is the, we're entering the final arc. Do they even use the final act is what they call it. Um, Yeah. The final act begins, I think is what it says at the end. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're running out of, uh, out of material uh, quickly. It seems like the manga is going to reach a pretty definitive end. We've covered all of Vigilantes. We still haven't uh, watched movie three. So we'll have to figure out what other uh, My Hero content we can we can keep circling the wagons around. Man, I would be so shocked like with how popular My Hero is if it actually has a real end. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up doing like a 15 years later with the next generation of kids. Like unless they end the show where quirks aren't a thing anymore, which I... I don't think that's going to happen. I would be kind of shocked if they got rid of all the quirks. But hey, maybe it maybe it does happen. Um, but I feel like they kind of did that with like like I'm thinking like Naruto Shippuden. You know, they they are shipping and they 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 have this whole new season with like the new generation, and then they they have the further one with Baruto. So like it's ongoing. It wouldn't surprise me if they do something like that with My Hero. Yeah, then I mean, if they do something like Baruto anyway, then they'll make some ships concrete. I don't know that I'm down with that to be honest. Uh, <laughs> they'll be like canonized ships at that point, and uh, you guys know that's not my favorite part of the the fandom or internet. So that's true. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We we certainly have got some time uh, between now and when we're out of just my hero proper content. We still have a movie that I've not seen, so you know. Yeah, movie three. You still haven't seen that, which is interesting because part of it is. I think if I remember, I haven't, I hadn't watched it in a while, but the co- part of the plot is let's get rid of quirks. <laughs> like that's the villain's big scheme. Wow. It's like the opposite of the main villain who just wants to have all the quirks. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, let's get into 131. We've, we've jabber jawed. Yes. Uh, episode 131 of My Hero Academia, the anime is titled Izuku Midoriya and Tomura Shigaraki. Yeah. And we, uh, we open up with All Might looking over Deku, who is laying in his hospital bed. And All Might is basically recapping, I think, what they said at the end of the last episode, where he's kind of expressing that he can tell that Deku is having a conversation with the vestiges of All for One, or sorry, One for All, and that he can like feel his presence there. There somehow and basically it is Deku like in this otherworldly area like there's like a little seating room uh, there's chairs around and there are two individuals that are like facing this wall that's behind the chairs yeah they and got in trouble yeah, that's what it, definitely what it seems like, right? <laughs> uh, and they're, they're all just in this room, and Deku's asking, like, hey, what happened to everyone else? Like, did they get hurt? Are they alive? What's going on? And, and he's seeing all of the previous wielders. Uh, and then we get splash cut right into the intro. Yeah, and uh, so the wielders, these are the previous wielders of One for All, including the two facing the wall, and including this, like, wraith-like version of All Might is also seated. Yeah. Uh, he's actually in the middle of the of the currently occupied thrones. Uh, and if you're looking at the manga, like I am right now, um, seated from left to right, I'm not going to tell you their names, but I will tell you their, their quirks. So we have danger sense float. Uh, we have, I guess what you would call the, the stockpile quirk or, or, um, one for all the first wielder, the all for one wraith or the, uh, all might wraith rather Then you have smoke screen and black whip. And they're all, um, sitting in a semicircle in these tall, uh, backed, throne chairs uh staring at uh, midoriya who is still shrouded in mist um there's some contention over whether this is um destiny or just timing between uh, a couple of the users 
Uh, but th this is it's it's they've decided that it's time for chat. And uh, beyond that, they have discovered that they have the ability to carry out this chat uh, where mm -hmm. previously they had not had this capacity. Yeah, the the original wielder kind of explains that like four months prior to I guess this chat his power began growing inside of Midoriya and it allowed all of the previous wielders to actually come together and be able to communicate. And then in the most recent fight against All for One, where basically he was trying to pull the quirk out of Midoriya, it forced all of the other vestiges forward, allowing them to communicate directly with Midoriya himself. And Panjo has a quick comment here where he's like, ah, don't worry about your private life. Your private life's your private life. It stays inside your head or whatever. And uh, I mean, this it point, does, but they also are aware of like what he thinks and feels. So is, is his private life his private life? <laughs> you know what? I mean, That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah but it kind of reminds me of that scene from like, I think it was a Family Guy episode where Chris was using the bathroom and he was just like, I don't know, taking a duke or something like that. But his grandpa was making the joke that, or the, the, the grandpa was implying that he was in there touching himself. And he was like, God knows what you're doing in there, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And yeah. Chris is all freaking out because it's like, God watches me poop. That's so weird. Uh, <laughs> but like, that's that's what Midoriya has going on now is he's got a, like an entire ass audience of people watching everything that he does and being made privy of how he feels and what he thinks. Those are those are the most private of private things. Yeah, you're not wrong. Something about this whole scene felt like almost this whole episode felt very Matrixy to me. Like all of them sitting in those chairs mm. in this kind of like other world area. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the stage for this is really interesting. It's like part of a building, uh, and the rest of it is just like black swirly abyss behind them. So they've managed to like conjure up this seating area, but yeah. not not uh, enclose it. Um, well, and it's, I guess that's probably just an aesthetic choice on Horikoshi's part. It doesn't really go explained one way or the other, to be honest. Well, and I, I, part of me almost wonders, like, who is actually creating that area? Because there's this whole thing right here where, like, Midoriya realizes he can't talk because he doesn't have a mouth. And then he kind of remembers, like, producing some words in that previous fight when he was interacting in this area beforehand. And later on, he produces, like, more of his body. So something allows him to, like, create his image. Do you think it's the first wielder that's creating this area for all of them to basically converse because it is his power that's like allowing them to communicate? Maybe it's his from, from his mind, you know? If if that's the case, then he's being oddly withholding. Like he's making this conversation with Midoriya needlessly difficult <laughs> yeah. if he's just like, no, you can't speak. Although Midoriya goes out of his way to try to make sounds that are audible well, and, and intelligible. I'm talking about just the area they're in. Like I'm thinking that the first wielder is creating this like sitting room. Each each individual, though, is likely creating their own image. The interesting thing, though, is, is that All Might's is like this ethereal looking almost like a phoenix creature instead yeah. of it being like a human body like Midoriya's is and, and the other wielders so but they they almost kind of sort of explain that kind of I, I don't yeah know. we'll talk we'll about that when it. we get there because <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts about that too so we, we get the fourth wielder introducing himself, and his name is Shinomori, and he is saying that his quirk is the one that Deku discovered in that last fight, Danger Sense. And uh, he kind of makes a really funny comment here where he was just like, I really was hoping that I would sense the coming of Danger Sense. And Midori is just like, oh, man, one of these guys. Like, <laughs> You could tell he immediately judges him uh, to some extent there. But uh, we get kind of an interesting piece of information here, I think from Banjo, uh, who is the wielder of Black Whip, and he's explaining 
that the fourth wielder got super paranoid and basically became a hermit and was just like off by himself all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting cause the wielder or the fourth wielder goes in to this and is like, do you know how I passed away? And we kind of get some answering around the journal entry that all might had scribbled out here. Mm-hmm. He explains that like All Might had written something down, but then it had been erased or taken out. And the, the fourth wielder says that he died when he was 40 due to old age. And he was saying that, you know, basically the fourth wielder and Banjo or Shinomori and Banjo, they, they didn't know their cause of death. Yagi or All Might had to go and find that out for them and then reported back into them, I guess. And once they find that out, they realize that there's a reason that they had to bring Midoriya here to tell him something. And that reason is, is that one for all can't be used by a normal human is what they say, uh, which is obviously very confusing because Midoriya is a normal human and has been wielding it uh, pretty well as far as we can tell. Right. So a couple things about this whole scene. The first one is I did some name research on Hikage oh, Shinomori. Nice. Um, I went to the wiki. It's been a while, uh, but I, I went back to the well-trod grounds of the wiki. And so his name contains the kanji for four, F-O-U-R, and also forest. Not as in like four, fourer and forest, but forest is in like the thing what has trees. Uh, and then his name means to evade and shadow. Oh, which, nice. Uh, obviously ties pretty well to his quirk. In fact, um, evasion is something that they play up to some comedic uh, effect here as Banjo is just kind of pestering him. And he's like going in and he's like swatting at him with Black Whip and, and uh, Shinomori is just constantly kind of dodging it with his danger sense. It's almost like he's got the like non-superpowered version of uh, like Ultra Instinct where he's yeah. just able to move his body. Um, so And Banjo knows this. So he just starts assaulting Shinomori <laughs> knowing he's not going to hit him with Black Whip. But it's it, it played pretty well both Isn't manga it? and the anime. Isn't it something like he can see six seconds into the future or something like that? I don't think it's a Is it time not window thing. Okay. I think it's a lot more like uh, like Spidey sense. Like Spidey is the, sense. Is my gotcha. reading of it. Yeah. Gotcha. Gosh, that um, almost plays way too much into the whole like Spidey parallel with Deku now and the way he uses Black Whip. Wow. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I found out some more stuff that's Spider-Man adjacent, but we'll talk about it when we get to the muscular fight. Okay. So that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Shinomori decided to go and be a hermit, and um, he had died. I, so he, he dies of old age, which is a, a shocking turn of events to Midoriya, which we'll dig into uh, deeper in just a moment. But yeah, his use of the term normal human is really interesting, because they go on to say, uh, in the manga, they use the term ordinary person. Um, and one of the arguments that he makes is there are so few people that qualify as that anymore. Uh, like, so the, the, one of the conceits of this entire show so far has been, there's been this 80, 20 population split, right? The vestiges aren't peddling that they're like, it ain't that, it ain't that high anymore on the 20 side. It's, it's dwindling. And so the number of people who are quirkless, who could, uh, hold on to one for all, uh, they're, they're diminishing. And it's not like everybody that fits that bill could, or should be given the, the, the uh, one for all anyway. Um, so it's cool that they've they've started to fiddle with that math some. Uh, I liked that. That's good world building in my opinion. Yeah, I thought so too. And and the, they're kind of explaining that like the fourth wielder had basically ran from all for one for 18 years, training his body, just accumulating this power. But then near the end of his life, these cracks started appearing on his body and he wasn't really sure what would have caused that. Past that, the only other person that had wielded all or one for all longer than him was All Might himself. 
And so they kind of start trying to figure out what exactly it could have been. And they, they come to the conclusion that having all of those quirks in his one body shortened his lifespan and caused him to die of old age. And Midoriya is like, well, hold on a second. All Might actually had that power way longer, and it was much stronger by the time he got it. So how come that didn't affect him? And the first wielder basically goes in and explains that that's something that they did notice and they did realize and they believe that the reason that it did not affect All Might is because he basically didn't have a quirk, just like Midoriya, and therefore it wasn't competing against his other quirks. So it was allowing basically one for all to overflow within his body and become his true quirk and allowed him to, you know, I guess, utilize that the way that he should have. But apparently that's also why his body isn't really in this ethereal realm, because he didn't have a quirk that imprinted into one for all. So it's like a half image of All Might, you could say, almost. Yeah, I like Like a vestige of a vestige. (laughs) Yeah, I liked the imagery that they chose here with with the cups. Yeah, uh, they basically really say cool. if you've if you've got a if you're a quirked individual, you're a partially full cup, and then if you try to shove seven other quirks into that cup, it overflows and it's taxing. Um, I also like just generally, even apart from that visual, I like the explanation here that the housing all of these extra quirks is taxing. It's like you're living. I mean, imagine that we we already know that having a quirk has. Uh, significant taxation on the body yeah, when, when it's utilized at all. Yeah. Um, and so imagine that multiplied m- many times over. Right. And, and you can understand that um, the kind of that expeditious uh, rush through uh, through life that, the, that Shinomori experienced. And it's also suggested perhaps that Banjo suffered the same fate. That's kind of uh, what they think- seem. Yeah. They seem to s- suggest that for sure. Yeah, so I like that explanation a lot. This is good explanation here. I like it too. And this is where things kind of got weird to me because Midoriya is like, oh, that means I can't pass the quirk on to anybody. And I'm like, well, no, that's not how I read that. Like, I, I understand what he's saying is, is that in order to pass the quirk on without that quirk killing the person, he'd have to find someone that's quirkless so that way it could overflow and become their true quirk just like it did for All Might and now for Midoriya. And the reason he's saying he can't do that is because the percentage of those people are now very small and it's incredibly rare. It's, yeah, not, he goes he goes so far as to call them an endangered species. Yeah. But the thing is, is like he could pass on all, uh, one for all. It's not that he couldn't pass it on. He'd just have to pass it on to somebody he knows that would inevitably kill them. You know, like they just have to pass it on sooner than that. Right. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, perspective on this too. I mean, it's it definitely it colors one for all in in one of two or possibly both lights. One being, I mean, you can pass it on, but here's the results: it's going to hasten somebody's death. Yeah. Or two, um, you you can't, which is kind of where they land um, in this discussion. Is you're probably the last one to yeah. who's going to wield this. And That's they what even, they say. Um, yeah, even more interesting is they they basically say you might be the last one who needs to, uh, that, that may even need to wield this. Yeah. Because they kind of uh, go like in that as well. Yeah. Because they kind of go in and explain that like the theory is, is that one for all will defeat or destroy all for one. And, and at that yes. point, and th- that's almost where I'm wondering if like 
the big end is, is that if it gets destroyed, it wipes out all quirk genetics somehow because there's some origin. I don't know. It would be so like weird and almost deus ex in a way. Um, but like, I could see it also being some secret magic in the background. We don't know about, you know, like they kind of pulled that stuff with Naruto. So it would be interesting. Um, but the way that they say that he can't pass it on, I just, I couldn't like the first time I watched this episode, cause I think I've watched it three times now. The way that I interpreted that was like, we passed it from a quirk person to a quirk person. Now it's gone from quirk to quirkless and quirkless to quirkless, which means you can only pass it on to somebody that's quirkless. Like mm-hmm. it almost like you have to pass it on to someone that's similar to the last wielder. But I don't think that's the case after having watched it more. It's just worded in such a way that it's like, it's going to be hard for him to find someone to actually pass it on to. It's such a strange, I don't know. The, some of these things that they, they explain, I was kind of like iffy on here, but otherwise well, I do like the way name, that they, what can you name another non quirked individual off the top of your head? Uh, we don't know. If I don't mean to put you on the spot. Quirk. Right? Yeah, I mean, Sukauchi could probably... I don't think he's got a quirk. We know like, that his sister does. We know his sister does, but he's not shown us anything that... Like, he's the first person that comes to mind is Sukauchi. And, I mean, obviously, All Might, not to be a smartass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, outside of those two, it's not like we've really been introduced. But, to be fair, that's an almost an unfair question because there's no need to be introduced to someone that's quirkless in well, this show at I'm this point. I'm just saying, you know? the point of that question is, Deku... I mean, I guess... Maybe I'm thinking about this wrong because this wasn't true of All Might. All Might, um, he bumped into Deku as this quirkless individual. It was completely, completely happenstance. Random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for Midoriya, if he was to go on this quest, you know, and and was to cull through uh, his mind's eye of who he knew who was already in his circle, I don't know who crops up. I mean, it really would be a quest to go and find. Not just a quirkless individual. But a quirkless individual worthy of the, the quirk. Worthy of it, willing to take it on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, knowing now, especially, uh, as developed as and as, as uh, a forefront in the like public's eye as this particular quirk becomes, especially over the next couple of episodes... Like, who's going to be like, yeah, sign me up? That sounds dope. Nobody. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> I wouldn't take one for all at this point. Man, and it almost makes me wonder, like, how did Nana Shimura get this to All Might? Because if he was quirkless too, what would ever have put him in a position where he would have known her or been in a situation where she thought, like, this is the guy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't remember if that was discussed or not. Been explained. I don't. I don't think it has. But hey, you know, maybe that's content coming down the line in a year or two when all this is over. It's like let's let's back up, let's wind up to when Quirks first came around. That could easily be where they go with things. Or like we're this. just forgetting something, which is entirely possible. Oh, that's actually more likely. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Nana, though, she does speak up here, kind of interrupting this flow of the conversation, and she asks, uh, "Let's get to this main issue. Can you kill Tomura?" And she yeah. says, "I'm not asking you to do it." Like, she, this isn't her official request. She's just saying it's a matter of resolve. When you saw his face, you thought it looked like he was asking you for help, didn't you? And again, I just have in my notes so much for privacy. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I can't remember who says it, but somebody's like, uh, yeah, we respond to your emotions, so we end up knowing that part too. And again, emotions and thoughts are the most private of private things. So yeah. I'm being a little picky on on uh, Banjo being like, yeah, your, your private life is yours. No, I, I, I don't see that. Um, <laughs> but Banjo is the one who says, we didn't see it that way. 
Like, we get that he's suffering from being invaded by All for One, but it did not look like he was asking for help at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He says those eyes didn't hold anything but hate. And there's a really cool discussion that takes place over over all of that hate uh, here shortly. I can't wait to get to that stuff. I'm really excited about that conversation, that part of the conversation. Yeah, and this is, it's interesting because, you know, Midoriya does the Midoriya thing, and he kind of refutes all this. He just disagrees with them. He's like, well, you know, when Shigaraki pierced one for all and, and he got close to us, like, all I could feel at the center of all that hatred was just a little boy crying. And he said, you know, I fought a lot of people that didn't break, and I had to keep fighting them to stop them. So, like, I know when I have to fight somebody, and I know when I can help somebody. And he says, you know, I didn't know why some of those people were the way they were. And if I had known what happened to them, maybe things would have been different. In this situation, he knows what's happened to Shigaraki. He knows the the power that, you know, all for one has has put over Shigaraki just from the way that he's raised him. And he says that, you know, Shigaraki may have killed a lot of people and hurt a lot of people that he loved. But at the end of the day, one for all is a power meant to save, not to kill. And he learned that from All Might. So he's not going to deviate from it. And, yeah, uh, I have in my notes, too, uh, right after he delivers that line, I said, the vestiges look up at him. And I was like, or is it to him? Yeah. Like, there's there's a, there's a, a variance in the possible interpretation of, of their... The, the movements of their heads in yeah. this particular... It's not like Midoriya is super tall. No, no, it's not. But I, I agree with you. I really liked the way that this scene was animated. Like, there was just so much happening there. And he continues to say that, like, the power that all of them have accumulated together has encouraged people around him, all sorts of people around him. And, like, as he's saying all of this, his body is starting to appear in that world, like I mentioned earlier. And then he actually appears as, like, his child self saying that he wants to save that kid. And it's very reminiscent of that first... First episode of my hero where he's like saving that kid from Bakugo. It felt just like that. Um, and, and he kind of admits, you know, that like this isn't going to be easy and he's not really sure what the right thing to do is yet, but he's got to at least try. And, and he says the only way to stop him may be to kill him. I don't know, but like we have to do something. We have to try. Okay. Uh, so this, the stuff about the, the hatred in his eyes uh, was literally the next stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we skipped over it a little bit, but because uh, I I super liked this. This is some of my favorite content of this episode because uh, after what uh, Banjo says, um, there's the explanation that he was raised by All for One. Um, he's talking about being groomed, Tomura. Um, and he says, this is from the, the first wielder. My brother wants to take over his body and mind so he could get one for all. Mm-hmm. And Banjo says, me and N, he tried to steal one for all from us twice and failed. Yeah. And in order to make one for all surrender, there needs to be a strong emotional feeling, strong enough that it surpasses one for all feelings that can't be borne by one person alone. And so he says he's probably trying to use Shiggy's strong hatred so that one for all is, uh, is he says one for all is a strong will that res- res- refuses to yield to all for one. But now it's not just one strong will that has set itself against one for all. It's two. And so that's like... That's a all for one's new ploy. He's just like, okay, if my will wasn't enough, and he tried twice, if my will wasn't enough, let me raise up this kid to hate this thing and what it stands for and what it protects as much or more than I do, and let's both hate at it, and maybe though the combination of our wills will be enough to strip it um, mm-hmm. forcefully. Because one of the things for one for all 
has always been that it has to be willingly given over. Otherwise, we made the joke that like somebody could use All Might's toothbrush and suddenly have one for all. Right. Um, right. But so that th- they're adding to that, it's not just willfully given, but it it seems like they're like there's a chance that it can just be stripped away if a strong enough will comes after it, and we see that almost visualized. Um, the last time that we were in the vestige realm where all for one was sprouting from Shiggy and he was like reaching out and starting to kind of suck that realm up into right. himself. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't right. quite enough that time. Um, but they're, they're wondering, it's just like, dude, that, that, that could be, that could be the play. Um, and I, that is so strong. And, uh, Nana Shimura is like, um, I don't think it's fair to ask you after telling you that you can't that you can't run. But Tomer is my grandson, and in order to fight off for one, I left my son, and this is the result. And she and I love this line. She says, "I know it's disgraceful for adults who keep failing to make a sixteen-year-old settle a score for them. Yeah. But once he turns completely into an evil monster, no one will be able to stop him." And there's this really cool butterfly imagery. We had seen it before. Like I want to say in like season three or four, we saw this this kind of uh, in, uh, imagery here. And uh, she explains, there's no way to forgive or understand him anymore. Some people are irredeemable. And if someone who looks like he's asking, oh, this might not be Nana. I didn't uh, credit this. But uh, if someone looks like he's asking to be saved is irredeemable, do you have the resolve to stop him even if you have to kill him? And that's when Midoriya starts um, kind of working through this stuff uh, as you described. Is such This is such good... Uh, like information and meat to the vestige realm to all for one's ploy. Like there's a lot of content here that was really well delivered. I thought, Oh yeah. It's like huge exposition dump, but it's done in such a really good way with just a really cool conversation with people. We've been wanting to meet for such a long time that it felt like such a rewarding episode. Like it felt so good to have all these answers. Yeah, and I love, too, that, like, at the end of Midoriya's little discourse, uh, Toshinori Yagi's uh, little vestige wraith thing is shown crying. Yeah, how sweet is that? And and uh, so he's got tears coming down his eyes, and the first wielder, like, reaches over and puts an arm on his shoulder and then stands up and goes and puts an arm on Nana Shimura's shoulder. Ah, it's so good. It is. This is, it's such... It's so well-engineered. Like, it's it's presented well, it's written well, it's excellent content. Like there's, there's nothing about any of this stuff that I didn't really appreciate. I might not have loved some of the explanation stuff, but it made all it made sense, and that's good enough for me most of the time. Yeah, totally. And I love what happens here too, because as the first gets up and heads over to Midoriya, he just tells him like, "Well, that's why we're gonna follow you." Like his yeah. like Midoriya's take on all for one, or one for all is exactly what the first was looking for. He says, I'm so glad that One for All was passed on to the two of you. And he's pointing to to Midoriya and All Might. And gosh, this is just such a great feeling there. And, and Nana Shimura is like, hey, so, you know, can you tell Gran Torino hi for me? And she's like, we made a lot of bad decisions back in the day, but we were super blessed by our student. And it's just a really sweet moment there. Um, and, and so we... We kind of uh, follow back up. We get back into the real world here. Um, and before we do, we get this kind of like cryptic message from the first wielder where he he's talking to the two individuals that are facing the wall. And he's like, you two better start helping out soon. Yeah, you're not in timeout anymore. Get get with, get, get with the program. Yeah. What do you think that is? Do you think these are two wielders that maybe were like villains that, that the other wielders don't agree with? So they're like... 
that maybe there's like invisible wars happening in Midoriya's background that we don't know about where they're trying to get them to agree to help? Or do you think they just don't uh, have the power to manifest fully yet or something? Because I've watched Beyond 132, uh, I'm yeah, going to reserve my me. comments. Okay. Yeah. Dang. We, we, you do... You do come to learn more about them awfully quickly. Okay, cool. Like I don't feel like I have episodes. to wait. So you don't have to sit though. on that for very okay. long. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, we've, we return to kind of the outside or the, the, the hospital scene uh, with All Might hovering over One for All or Midoriya discussing One for All. And he's he's feeling that this conversation is going on inside. And uh, Hawks and Best Genus come creeping up uh, <laughs> on this hotel room. And it, Hawks is like, hey, it's nice to meet you. Can we skip introductions so I can just ask you stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. He's literally and, like, can we just cut to the chase? What is one for all? And who is Midoriya? Like, who, who, what is going on? I want to know everything. <laughs> yeah. At first, he's like, how's Deku? And All Might's like, he's fine. What are you doing here? <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, it's about one for all, Midoriya. And like, something a hero said from the battle uh, got passed on to the media and it's spreading. And we spoke with Endeavor and he said that Shigaraki is after Deku. And I just need to sort this out. Uh, because, and I love this line too, we're not just fighting villains, but public sentiment. Yeah. And that is basically what the back half of this episode is, is, is um, like the, the big three, the B and the, like the top three heroes. And then also all might uh, trying to sort out uh, the, the public perspective and opinion on heroes somewhat successfully, but we'll talk about that when they get into the, like this, this like press event that's coming up. But um all Might's like, listen, we can't talk about this here, but let's go somewhere private and I'll tell you everything. Yeah, and then we get basically Ochako narrating, saying that three days has passed, and uh, she's explaining that the public really wasn't immediately trying to blame the heroes. They just wanted to like hear something from them. But then over time, just seeing heroes basically tuck tail and run or retire or not communicating with them at all about what's going on led them to this point where they're now blaming heroes for everything. Like they're just they're yeah. not using them as scapegoats, but just using them as like, look, there's nothing else to blame. It's your fault, you know. And and there's also this sentiment floating around. I think she addresses it in the in this voiceover where there are some people that are just like just please have spotless integrity, say you didn't do anything wrong and tell us it'll be okay. And yeah. like they want that placation. And they don't get it. No, they don't. Um, like there are some people that, that are just looking for someone to tell them that it's going to be fine. And there's no one to do that because it's not going to be fine. Like things are not okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, in the manga, it says more than anything, the public needed something to cling to. And so we get this panel of Endeavor Hawks and Best Genist. And Endeavor's like, listen, Dobby of the League of Villains is my son. And I apologize for this. And we have to talk about Best Genist here <laughs> oh my gosh dude because what is he wearing in this scene it's wild it, looking oh i don't know why i never reacted to i mean we he's always had that like crazy high denim turtleneck thing yeah but the way that looks is if he doesn't have like six feet of neck like they draw yeah. his shoulders up high so it looks like it's just like a collar that's going over his face but in this scene that dude's a giraffe it's very yeah. different. Like, he it's has like a that, huge you, neck. Have you seen that kid on the internet? I, I mean, I call him a kid diminutively. I'm sure he's older. But uh, the the guy whose name is Longneck or Daddy Longneck. Or whatever yeah, is, I think I know is, who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the impression I got from Best Genius in this suit. And the reason that it doesn't work, like, if he had just worn a white shirt, I think it would be fine. It's the tie. The tie is the thing that is is exaggerating the distance between his chin and, like, his shoulders. And it looks ridiculous. 
uh, of all the times to not just roll in denim and <laughs> and present yourself in a way that isn't visually shocking. This was the time. Um, <laughs> I have in my notes, I just read this note. I said, no denim, exposed face, still a long collar. But I said, but he's rocking this uncircumcised look because we can see his face. <laughs> oh, no. Oops. <clears throat> it, or, or I guess this is the circumcised look because we can see his face. Uh, uh, terrible. Anyway, um, Endeavor speaks at length about his family's past, and Hawks and Best Genus um, refuted Dobby's claims, of course. So Best Genus's murder was fabricated for the sake of infiltration. This is Hawks talking now. He still has no wings, um, still has a rough voice, but he's not talking through the text-to-speak thing anymore. Um, so he says, not everything he said was incorrect. That part about my father and me, uh, you know, killing a villain who was running away is also true. And I apologize about the truth about my father. Why? How does yeah, that factor in meaningfully? I don't know either. That felt really weird to me. Like... I guess there is probably a bunch of people drawing conclusions from the fact that his dad was maybe considered a villain, but it just felt weird. Uh, I don't know. But I like what he says here because he's like, look, I'm really, really sorry about what happened with Baba Guara or twice. Like that was, you know, a decision that I made. That was my only option. I did not have another option. It's my fault. And I couldn't make him pay for his crimes. And I feel really, really bad about it. And like, you know, Hawks does feel bad about that, no matter what the public thought. Um, but he was—he goes on to explain that, like, if I hadn't done this, it would have been so much worse. And, you know, those poor people there, they probably aren't even thinking about it. You know, they probably haven't even thought of that as a thing or take it into consideration. They just immediately kind of, like... I mean, they, they, they're not happy with any of these answers. In fact, a reporter interrupts the, the, all of them and is just like, hey, you know, my mother was injured by Gigantomachia. You, you guys can't just sit up there and say it's all true and say you're sorry. Like, do you know how many people have been hurt or injured or have lost someone this past week? Like, you can't, what, you're not doing anything. You're just saying you're sorry. I, I mean, people wanted something more from, from them. They didn't want the truth. You know, they wanted, I refer to her as the fish sausage finger lady. Yeah, I don't know exactly like what her quirk is, fingers. but her fingertips are weird. <laughs> they are weird. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I, I like, odd, they just give her normal hands. Why do you have to draw attention to this Horikoshi? Like why, why give us, why, why give us that visual? Just let her raise a normal ass hand. So it's not <laughs> disrupting the scene. That's funny. I didn't think it was that distracting. Like it just felt so it normal was to in me. this world. It looked like she peeled her fingers off or something weird. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, I, did yeah, like, I did like the call out here, though, because I can imagine being in that situation and just being like, yeah, that's not what I'm looking for, dude. <laughs> yeah. And and sh she says, how can you be so composed? It was the villains who did it. But those expressions make it seem like you don't realize that it was through your mistakes. And I love Endeavor's response. He says, if we cried with exhausted faces, yes. would would that let it be undone? In the manga, he says, if we showed you our pain and exhaustion and tears, would that somehow fix everything? And of course, she's like, no, that's not going to fix everything. You need to take away society's unease, and you need to take care of the villains. And she says, that's, and he, there's this pause, and he says, that's, that's how I atone. Like, I get that. And he calls himself um, Endeavor here. Uh, he says, that's how... In, uh, I as Endeavor can atone. Remember where he was in the hospital and he was like, Endeavor has died. Yeah. He's picked that mantle back up here uh, verbally in the public. He says, that's how I as Endeavor, there's still kind of maybe a little um, disparity between who he is and who Endeavor is yeah, or, like or has to be right there. now. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I like that he says that he uses his hero name. And he says, but right now, or this might be Best Genus. I think it's Best Genus. He says, right now, with fewer heroes around, it would be difficult to protect everyone. So therefore, we're going to put you guys all together. We're going to herd you in, which I thought was not the smartest idea. Somebody else had uh, issues with this, maybe in the next episode, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to put us into these schools where the villains know exactly where everybody is, you know? Yeah, um, and like, you can't protect totally us out critique. here, so what makes you think you, you, know, you can protect us in there? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, how can we accept an indefinite evacuation without knowing the future? And uh, I just have on my notes, uh, pretty much all evacuations are like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what how long you're going to be gone or what you're going to return to. That's like the definition of evacuation, yeah. right? Like <laughs> That's, That is in their nature. But I like um, what Endeavor follows us up with because he kind of like flames up and is like, everyone look at me. Yeah, you know, like he's really just trying to take on that endeavor hero, number one hero mantle, and he he says something along the lines of like, "We're doing this so we have a future." Like, yeah, really and trying to that, set that tone. That look at me language is Dobby language. You remember, like yeah. when he was a kid, oh, yeah. like just getting endeavor desperately to look at him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's brings that back around. I really oh, man, like that. That was nice. Yeah, that's a nice call out. So we get this uh, explanation, uh, this like voiceover where heroes were being sifted out. And I have in my notes, and I talked about this in episode 124, um, that this seems like Stain's dream. And I just have in my notes, could he flip? And I, I talk about that at length in 124. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. This is like his dream because all the fake heroes are basically going to nope out of here. Like the only people that are going to be left behind are the real heroes that actually want to get in there and help. Yeah. And uh, so the voiceover continues, if heroes were defined as those whom people called for, and you see like Mount Lady holding, I think it's Midnight's mask. I thought um, it was her mask, but yeah. It could have been. Yeah. It was hard to tell because uh, she does wear a mask too. Um, it would make more sense, I guess, if she was holding hers as if she's considering whether or not like she's to going to put it back on at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it says then heroes, if... So to squish this line together, if heroes were defined as those whom people called for, then heroes disappeared that day. And we see Mirko recovering. We see Kamui Woods' leaf hair, which was unexpected. Um, <laughs> I can hear the disdain in your voice. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, uh, I didn't know what to make of that, to be honest. So I well, was at just least like, now we know he wears a helmet, you know? Yeah. Um, but the voiceover ends with, even so, there were still those standing up. And we get a brief uh, visit with Dobby, who's just cackling. And he's like, you guys haven't had enough yet in the manga, he says. So I didn't go far enough. Oh, wow. Um, which is a slightly different uh, approach to that. Um, so when uh, it's explained that when somebody asks, presumably in this little um, interview uh public address thing here when somebody asked about one for all endeavor just said idk <laughs> like he probably didn't use those letters but he just kind of hand waved it in in order for no stones to be thrown at all might and for no attention to be drawn to deku and then we're treated to some scenes in ua where midoriya seems to have taken a rather drastic measure yeah he uh, has left a note for all of his classmates explaining basically you know the fact that he's inherited these powers that villains are now after him because of that and because of the villains that are after him and that could you know assuming find him easily and attack him and kill him and all of his friends he has decided to leave ua and uh he will not be back until the villain situation has been taken care of because basically if any of them get totally healed up they're screwed because those guys are impossible to beat i liked it seems like he hand wrote it, uh, notes to everyone yeah, in one day. like each one got a unique letter how cool yeah. is that I like that, yeah. that he didn't just, you know, type something out and print it off and 
you know, thumbtack it onto everybody's door. I think that there was a lot of intentionality here. The one that you said to Uraka said, uh, thank you for everything. I thought I needed to tell everyone in 1A my secret, so I'm writing letters to everyone. I received my power from All Might, and Shigaraki and All for One are after it. At this rate, I'll get you all caught up in it, so I'm leaving you A. Being able to get into the hero course and meet you all really made me happy. Thank you. Goodbye. And her response is just to call him an idiot. Yeah. And uh, she says, if heroes are those who don't balk at taking the hard path, then when they're suffering, who is in, in, in that thought doesn't um, doesn't carry itself out in the anime, but in the manga, that thought is finished. Who's there for them when they're in pain? And uh, I, I address some of this in 124 as well. Just my thoughts on... I agree with Ochako. I think that Deku is doing something uncharacteristically idiotic, even though it's masked as noble. Um, and I suspect that 1A is not just going to sit around and let this happen for very long. No. That's my suspicion. Yeah, I can only imagine that they're going to be out in the field trying to help or looking for him or whatever they can do. Like, that has been this recurring theme where one of them goes off on their own and does something silly. The other like two. Ida. Yeah. And then the, the other two where the rest of the class pick pick them up and put them back up on the pedestal, right? Like right. that this is such a cool class in the sense that they are really all there for each other to make each other better. Like there are no enemies. They're all best friends in some form or fashion. Even, you know, like Mineta, this creepy kid that is like almost always creeping on everyone. They're still trying to make him better too. Like they all have so much respect and love for each other that no way they're going to let Midoriya be roughing it on his own. Uh, they're absolutely going to get out there and try to help. And that just fits that repetitive story beat of like, hey, we're here to yes. bolster each other. You know, the I think the way that I phrased it in one twenty four was um, I posed the question: Is there greater risk if one A is out and about with Midoriya fighting along his side? Yes. But they do that volitionally anyway. That's that's part of what it means to be a hero. And two, is Midoriya, or, or no, the way that I phrased it was, is Midoriya single-handedly more capable than any other individual in 1A? Yes. Does that mean that he's less capable with all of them by his side? And I don't think the answer to that question is yes. Hmm. I think he's more capable with them. And somehow or another, it's going to get back to that. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. You know, um, I don't know that the 1A students have any way to reach him directly. I don't know that they know that All Might has his phone number, I mean, <laughs> you know, right now. All it's going to take is Jiro plugging in at the right place and overhearing a conversation, yeah. right? That's true. Like, that's yeah, literally yeah. all it takes. <laughs> yeah, you got a bunch of recon specialists yeah, in 1A. I mean, go find him. You've got Coda out there. The kid. Coda, all he has to do is just deploy a bunch of mice or bugs or something. He could find Deku in a matter of seconds. Like, Deku's not I, that hard to find. If you think about I it. I talked... I talked a lot about Coda in 124. Oh, I, that's really? some of the content that I'm super excited oh, for you to listen to, okay. maybe more than anything. Okay. We're going to have to do this. Yeah, well, this is something I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. I think, I think I'm going to try to do the uh, live stream like I mentioned. Maybe not a live stream, but like a video recording of me listening to it, going over what I think and reacting. Because it sounds like you, you talked about some good stuff. Yeah, well, only because we were I was given good content to work with that's by fair. the listeners. So thanks again, well, guys. We have awesome listeners. They carry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, that's, Let's jump that, into 132. This is um, the, the episode's called Full Power with two exclamation points. So you know it's 
for realsies, the fullest power. Yeah, we, we pretty much open back up with Deku just covering his letters that he sent out to all of the students. And then we get to see a lot of devastation across Japan, like all over the place. Cities are just crumbling. There are villains that have escaped over all of these prisons. And Ochako pretty much explains, is, is it Ochako again here? Is it Midori? I don't have it noted, but whoever the narrator is... I never note the recap yeah. crap. Well, that's <laughs> my fair. first note is talking about uh, the the Dyna police station oh. sitting at an APB, basically. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, that is exactly what happens right after the intro, uh, because this huge villain has been spotted, and uh, it is exciting. I was this episode was really good. I like this one a lot. Yes, so good. Yeah. So, anyways, at the police station, Adkins. <laughs> Yeah, the Dyna police station are sending out an APB. Basically, they call him that jailbreaker, but later on they call him the jailbreaker. Uh, and I don't know why they didn't just call the guy muscular because that's who he is. Yeah, like, I and they that know that, that they know that name. Yeah. Um, like so. Yeah, I don't know why they. It was they almost like they him were a new name. <laughs> trying to like be ominous, so you didn't know it was going to be muscular for a cool surprise. But then it doesn't make sense, so it wasn't a cool yeah. surprise. Like it was obvious who it was at the beginning, you know. Yeah, we catch up with Yoshindo and Tatami Nakagame, and they're basically on a patrol on a mission to go and yeah, they're. I mean, they're looking for survivors. I don't know that right? it's a patrol. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to go. They're they're basically out politicking like yeah. trying to convince people that haven't yet taken shelter in one of the schools uh in their case shiketsu to move into those safe places and so they're trying to um i think it's probably yo that says uh let's hurry up and finish guiding the people that are left i love it it's like they're and, like ringing on the doorbell like hey do you have a moment to talk about our safe high school <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Or they're like like sheepdogs, and they yeah, feel like they're yeah. having to go round up the strays, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and Nakagami points out um, that it's true that the only ones left are probably really stubborn. Um, or no, Yo says that. They're, the ones that are left are probably really stubborn. That's why I'll, I'll negotiate uh, with them with a smile, joke style. And Nakagami's like, I don't think that'll work. Um, but they do know where a bunch of people are in this Teguchi uh, building. So uh, they approach this group of folks that are holed up here, most of whom seem to be armed, a few of, uh, few of whom were uh, presenting with quirks of their own. And the leader, I guess, of the group is just like, first the police, and then the heroes, and now they're sending kids. Yeah. Like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to, Nakagame and Shindo are trying to reason with them, like, your stockpile of supplies probably won't last that much longer. We've got a lot of supplies back. Oh, they're at... Uh, they're not at Shiketsu. They're at Ketsubutsu. Yeah, they're Ketsubutsu students. Um, but uh, yeah, they're just they, they they retort and they're like, "Well, when the villains attack, where all the people are gathered, what are you going to do then?" Like, it's a perfectly reasonable uh, question to ask in this situation. Yeah, and and he kind of continues on to be like, "Look, our eyes have been open. Like, it's our town. We have to protect it. We cannot trust other people with our lives. You saw what happened when we did." And I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, like, you know, they, they talk about how all of these heroes that, you know, not just here in our town, but everywhere else, they just, they just fled. They left us to deal with all of this. And this is where Grand is Shindo's uh, hero name. He, he's explaining that like, look, yeah, normal looters you can probably defend against, uh, but these are villains and nomus who are barely human. All they want to do is cause harm. Like they just want to kill you. They're, they're not just folks you can just beat off with a stick or something, you know? And the group leader is just like, look, we do not trust heroes to protect them. We're not going to, to have any other thing to say about this. And Shindo kind of says like, well, look, we're at least more proficient at fighting villains than you guys. 
guys. And he goes, look, this is what happened when we trusted you all before. We, we can't do it. We're not going to do it again. So they have this big back and forth, and they they do just leave. I mean, the kids don't really know what else to do. They just leave in complete defeat. And uh, they end up getting a call from Akabe, who is just like, look, you guys have to leave immediately. Run now. There's yeah. been a huge villain spotted headed your way. I love uh, Nakagame on the way out just says, that sucked. Serious suckage yeah. in, yeah. in the manga. <laughs> she sucks city. She just keeps on harping on That's it. Hilarious. It's great in the manga. Uh, but yeah, Makabe's just like, Aitajiro's uh, uh, with him. And he's like, uh, we saw him with our own eyes and you guys need to run. Yeah. Like there's not like, he, he says that he's heading their way, but the other ones aren't going to make it there in time. And so... Oh, man. Muscular shows back up. I've been so excited to see some of these guys again. Muscular is one of them oh, for no. sure. I was excited to see him in him. general. I, like, I didn't expect to see him again. I thought a lot of those villains, we were just going to be like one and done. And the fact that they keep coming back, I'm like so stoked about. So here's the cool thing about uh, that Spider-Man adjacent regarding Muscular that I never thought of. He's Venom. Uh, that the wiki... Yeah, he's Venom and, and Carnage. Carnage. Yeah, holy cow. Yeah, so yeah. he's got the, like, the size and shape of, um, of Venom. At least in most of his iterations. And Carnage's like the, craziness. Dang. Yeah. Car- and Carnage's like color scheme and like all like exposed muscle kind of uh, uh Like flowy aesthetic. flesh. Yeah. Dang. That's yeah. such a cool. Yeah. I hadn't even considered that. That's awesome. Yeah. And the like the, what is, what is Carnage's the, is it Cassidy? Yeah. Cle- Cassidy? Cletus Cassidy or Cletus, Cassidy Cletus, yeah, something that like that. Yeah. Crazy, like uh serial killer, psychotic kind of mind. Um, I thought that made a lot of sense. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not shocked that I didn't make that connection, but it makes a whole lot of sense. Well, it didn't make that connection back then because Deku wasn't a direct one-to-one with Spider-Man yet. You know, now that he's got Black (laughs) Whip and he's literally like flinging himself all over the place and he's got danger sense, he's just like Spider-Man on steroids. Yeah. So he comes just slamming through this building and he's like, let's play. And I love that, uh, yo is just like, listen, go and evacuate the other residents and, uh, not uh, the the lady whose name just Nakagami. Nakagami, right yeah, turtleneck. Okay, she's like, well, what are you gonna do? And he just like ejects this sword from this pack on his back, <laughs> yeah. which was super dope. Like, what a cool support item. It's really well animated. Um, I was like, man, that that's freaking dope. And he's just like, I'm gonna crush him. Um, that's that's yo talking about muscular he's going to handle this man's as business uh in the in the uh, manga he says i'm going to demolish him which i like a little bit more um uh, phrasing wise but all these civilians then start rushing to this fight and makabe is trying to intercept them and dissuade them but she just gets shoved out of the way like violently they shove a 16 17 year old kid to the ground yeah. um in in their attempt to go and start scrapping with uh muscular who is one of the craziest and uh, like strongest villains that this series has seen full stop. Um, yeah, he, but uh, Shindo is grasped by muscular who says he's not even worth his time. And he's just like this massive uh, Hulk of muscle. And he's got him with one, one arm and he looks over and he's like, well, they say if you see one hero, that means that there are nine more around here. And he sees Makabe and the, the civvies is what I called him in my notes. Um, so Shindo like kicks on into full on hero mode and tries to vibrate uh, muscular who basically is like, I got 12,000 layers of muscle fiber, son. Like you can't, you're not going to be able to reach my body. So Shindo takes that as a challenge, cranks vi- his vibrate power all the way up to full power. Um, Trimmering earth, I think is what, yeah, uh, what the, uh, yeah, the super move was called. And he says, I'll shake your brains out. I thought that that was really cool. And so muscular is just like, well, it, it was almost like one of those fights where 
there was a, a persistent series of one upages. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> muscular, it's just like, well, then I'll just increase my armor even more. Yeah, well, then I'll just go <laughs> you know? plus ultra. Like, yeah, it's just going to be yeah. back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's that. Yeah, this fight was so good. Was. I will say um, to, to kind of uh, tease something that we'll talk about when this fight is done. When I first watched it, I was super disappointed with it. Really? Um, but. Yeah, but the more I thought on it, the more it, it really grew on me. So we'll talk about that at the uh, end of this this episode's coverage. Well, after he increases his armor a little bit more, he ends up just pushing Grand even further into the ground. And like right as he's about to do almost like a finishing blow, because at this point, Shindo's face is like red and puffed up like he's not been able to breathe for a while. Deku just comes in and saves him. Uh, he's right there in some like surrounded purple mist. And uh, he's holding Shindo and Muscular immediately recognizes Deku. And he's like, oh, yeah. my God, it's you. Like, we have got to fight, dude. I missed that experience. Like, I have to have that thrill again. It's like something just flipped in his brain. And then he grabs a rock and shoves it in his eye socket. Like, yeah. the dude's losing his mind. He's totally nuts. I do. I think that it's really interesting, too, that Muscular, like, immediately recognizes Midoriya and both... Shindo and Makabe are kind of like, is that is that Midoriya? Is that that guy? Like they're yeah. Kind of, yeah, like they keep they're like it, that can't be the same guy, well, right? And Midor or uh, muscular hears Midoriya say like two words, and he's immediately as giddy as a young child in a candy shop. Like he's like, I'm about to live my best life because we're about to scrap at a full power. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense because to these kids, like Midoriya was just another hero, like another kid in class, right? But to muscular, this is the kid that stood up against him and and beat him. How many other people mm -hmm. in the entire world or in muscular's life have ever really done that? Like maybe one or two. So like this is this is someone that is like probably just takes up a lot of free space in muscular's mind. Yeah. And muscular goes out of his way to say, I don't want to fight you for revenge. That's petty and dramatic. Yeah. He's just like, I just want to fight somebody who's strong. Like, yes, me. he's such a, like, and he I could be to... Rappa's best friend. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, he would destroy Rappa. Let's be honest. But, um, it, it, he, I just love that he's like, I ain't out for revenge or anything so dramatic. The way I see it, going wild with my quirk is all I ever want to do, and I can do that against you, and it not be... Like, he was just like, I, did, I didn't even use my full power on Shindo. This was boring. Yeah. But you're you're going to make this exciting. Yeah. And this is, this is like... He's been dreaming of this day, not for vengeance, but just for the thrill. Well, and, and he jumps up to try to attack Midoriya, but he doesn't quite make it to the top of the building. And Midoriya actually kind of like notes that, tucks it away for later. And uh, we catch back up with uh, Turtleneck or Nakagami, and she is uh, basically just taking Shindo off of Midoriya's hands. And she can't quite see Midoriya, but it's like you said earlier, she kind of recognizes his voice. And then he takes off uh, with a uh, smokescreen behind him, and the smokescreen's kind of telling him, like, hey, you're overdoing this power. It, it's gotten very powerful because it's had so much time to accumulate, but you're exhausting it a little bit. And he, he tells him, you got to stop thinking of quirks as quirks. They're just tools, man. Like, they're trying to Dude. Co co coach him into learning their quirks, it seems like. The, in the, I'm shocked, like a little scandalized that the anime didn't present us with this visual. But in the manga, there's this awesome shot of Midoriya when uh, the fourth user is saying our, our quirks are mostly standalone abilities. It's almost like you have too much respect to them or for them. So instead, think of them as tools in your arsenal. And there's this shot of Midoriya decked out as if each of the quirks were a tool, like a physical oh, tool. Cool. So he's got like a jetpack on his back for float. He's got like a smoke bomb 
hanging off of his belt for, uh, for smoke screen. Um, he's got uh, like a rope, like a lassoed rope over his right shoulder for Black Whip. It's really well presented. And I hate that the anime didn't give that to me. When I when I went to the manga for comparison's sake, I was like, what the hell? Why didn't they show me this? Because this is dope. Yeah, that is really cool. That's almost like uh, like just having like a utility belt, you know, and I can see him totally using that to his advantage just to get that mental set, you know, in the right way that he needs it. That's so cool. Yeah, and Midoriya's trying to dig back up the memories of his fight with Muscular for strategy's sake. You know, he's like, this is the man who can withstand a smash at 100%. So he's cycling through these quirks. He's using smokescreen and float and danger sense and black whip. And um, he ends up slamming Muscular down. It's so cool. Um, And Muscular does not like this at all. So Midoriya is using danger sense to avoid being punched, smokescreen to obscure his own movements, uh, and then uh, float to stay just above muscular. You know, he, if he can be in the air, muscular can't easily remain there. That's a, a little bit of a strategic advantage. And then he uses black whip. He grabs muscular from a different uh, a distance and just absolutely slams him into the ground. Yeah. And it's super well animated. It was like into like a, uh, I don't know if it was like a, like a channel. It's like a little you know, like a, of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, Water goes up shooting everywhere. It looks so awesome. It did. It was really, really well done. And Midoriya gets down there and he kind of grills Muscular like, hey, who let you out? Like, do you remember where you were let out or who was it? You know, and Muscular's like, dude, I have no idea. I just know I was told to wreak havoc and destroy. And that's what I've been doing. And Muscular goes like just starts trying to power up. You know, he's trying to break out of Black Whip and and go and attack uh, uh, Midoriya there. Yeah, he flexes out of it, man. Yeah, it's incredible. It's so dope. That was such this is the coolest visual in this episode is when he flexes out of Black whip and he seems to like he's growing like he's adding all these fibers and he's looming over Midoriya who is silhouetted um in front of him as if uh muscular is backlit and it's like this red background it is so threatening looking uh it's it's maybe one of my favorite visuals from the entire anime so far it's really just as far as like the horror that it communicates is super cool. Yeah. Really well done. Well, and we also get to see, we haven't really commented on it, but this is one of the first times we really get to see Midoriya's new kind of like, uh, what would the, the kids call it these days, his new drip. The new drip? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I call it, 124 <laughs> too. Yeah. Like, he's got this whole new outfit that is so cool looking. I mean, like, we, I used to kind of make fun of the little, like, cowl that he would pull over his face, but it looks dope mm-hmm. in this episode, especially with the scarf, like Gran Torino's scarf. I think it looks so cool. Uh, but he's yeah. He's, I talk a lot about that in one twenty four. He's kind of like grilling uh, muscular here, and he he's he's kind of trying to figure out like what makes muscular tick. And muscular's like, dude, don't try to sympathize with me. Like all that is inside of me is by his first. He calls him by his like given Christian name, if you want to call it that. <laughs> yeah, he does. He says there was no what there was there no other path. Goto Im- uh, Imasuji, which is his name, and uh, according to the wiki, is. Name contains the kanji for our now muscle fiber strong and also big dipper for. Whatever reason. Huh. Um, okay, then. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, he's he's trying. Muscular's not having it. No. And he's super pissed that he's using all these, what does he call them, like, tricks? Uh, I can't remember what he called. Yeah, li- these little tricks. Like, he's like, don't black whip me. Like, let's duke <laughs> yeah, it out. he's just, just so ready like, to exchange blows. Yeah. He says, do that somewhere. Take all that sympathy somewhere else. I've got, All I've got in my heart is blood and battle. Yes. Um, and th- we get a kind of a recap of Midoriya trying to figure out, okay, if if this is the mode that somebody has, there's only one way to deal with them, and that's just by fighting them. And so he realizes that that's the case with Muscular. He says this fight is inevitable, uh, and so he he rushes in. 
Yeah, he absolutely does. Muscular is still continuing to power up, uh, but Midoriya notices that like some of these muscle fibers are like loosening or falling apart, and he's like, oh, okay, maybe something happened with all that vibration. There's no way that that didn't have some impact on him, so he must be a little bit weakened, tying that kind of back to the small jump that he made earlier. And he ends up doing a 45% impact punch as he's like flying past Muscular. It was super cool looking, and it appears to just totally take Muscular out, like one hit, one shot, right to the stomach, and he's done. Uh, and yeah. we kind of like immediately transition over to, uh, to I think his name's uh, Totoki and uh, Makabe, and it's Boomerang Man or Mr. Smith. And uh, they're searching for the other students. They're just like trying to figure out what's going on as they actually see Muscular and Midoriya flying through the air. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about this fight. Um, on first blush, when I first watched it, I went into it with a bucket full of expectations of like seeing something similar and drawn out and visceral, um, like their first outing, uh, being Midoriya and muscular. However, that's not what was delivered. And at first I was kind of bummed by that. Like I really wanted something more, something longer, something more drawn out, um, but the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated what we got. I mean, the anime did it better, I think, than the manga did anyway. But it it effectively communicates a ton, uh, especially about where Midoriya is uh, with regards to his power and ability right now. Um, and so if it had been this longer knockdown dragout fight, I think that that it would have been what I wanted. But I think it would have been a misstep narratively, whereas this was a really strong showing of where Midoriya is relative to where he had been before. Oh yeah. Versus somebody that we, we have as an actual measuring rod of, of power. It's almost like, like Raditz scale material from Kyo cinema. Like we, we know what this dude is capable of. We know fully what he's capable of. And then we see Midoriya absolutely trash him with a single punch. Uh, and it's, it, it's well done. Like oh, it, it is. I like, will admit, it's not what I wanted. Don't let Horikoshi uh, pull the uh, the wool over your eyes. This is a MacGuffin episode for like a power level, basically. Like, yeah. This yeah. is Power Radar episode. That's all this was. And I mean, right. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But like Muscular existed to be able to be like, look how much Midoriya has grown. I mean, he's super OP based off of what we saw in this one moment. Like he's got so much more control over all of his powers. He, I mean, it's just incredible. Like he's he is learning from the previous wielders, and he is getting to be super strong. So that fight with Shigaraki doesn't look nearly as intimidating as it did three episodes ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they are showing us that this is going to be a huge fight between those two because we already saw how powerful Shigaraki was. Like, it's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. Well, Deku does end up dropping uh, Muscular off at the Dyna police station um, because he they apparently have the Iron Maidens there. And there's a little bit of material where uh, we get uh, like Shindo and um, a couple of the other students like trying to figure out if, if Midoriya is Midoriya. Yeah. Um, but Midoriya drops him off at the police station and he's like, you have Iron Maidens here, right? Please restrain him. And he pops smoke screen again and uh, decides that he's he's heading back to home base. He's going to head back towards um, All Might, check back in. Yeah. Because his danger sense has calmed down. We get to see it. It, it had been uh, blowing up because of Muscular's um, proximity. 
Yeah, and we, we get to follow up here and see All Might. He's like hanging out in this alleyway with some sweet shades on. They're like exactly the shape of his eye line, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> uh, but Midoriya shows up and they kind of just do a quick check-in uh, like for physically him. Like, is he okay? Are his arms okay? Are his limbs intact? And uh, they kind of show off this new support item that basically is like uh, pressure sleeves. Or it, it, Is it new? It's not really. Is it new? I mean... No, but they act as if it is. Uh, but they do say yeah, that it's from the that, USA. Like, there's like this huge, like, almost like they're trying to tease that that movie's canon, you know? I hated that they didn't just outright say Melissa Shields' name or David Shields' name. For do you this. think it's a licensing it is that thing? Freaking, no, no, I don't think it is at all. I think it's a, I think it at best probably is something like, do we want to canonize these movies quite that finely? Um, but they could have easily have done that. Just drop the drop the shield name and move on. You don't have to canonize every second of that film. But when you do that, yeah. you could just man that frustrated me to no end. Like I was really upset with that. It did feel <laughs> a, like, a little egregious just because it's already been established that he had something that helped with this exact thing. Uh, it was OP at the time, which is why they had to get rid of it in that context. But now it's fine for it to exist because they even kind of go on yeah. later here to say that he subconsciously basically had black whip protecting him in this last fight anyways. So if anything, it's just, yeah, a, and we talked about that. Yeah. It's like, it's just additional armor for black whip. Like if he were to completely master black whip, I imagine, and I imagine we'll see this eventually. He's going to have some sort of a form with black whip where it envelops him entirely to some extent, you know, it's like, they're already kind of sowing that seed. So I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. I was just, I just don't know why they, Described them similarly and even said they came from the U.S. and never once just said the name Shields. Yeah. That, uh, it's a, it's a minor gripe, but it was, it stuck out like a sore thumb. I was like, oh, sweet. It's that item that, like, from the movie. And then they don't, oh, the closest they come is saying that it came from the U.S. And yeah. I was like, dang it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So much potential there. I like what happens next, though, because he gets a, a phone call, All Might does, and it's apparently the special silver-aged version of uh, the phone call okay. ring. <laughs> yeah, so it was still saying a phone call is here in the anime, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, in the manga, it makes more sense of what Deku said, because I was like, the silver-aged version of All Might saying a phone call is here? In the manga, the ringtone is not a phone call Here is here. It's, I'm on my way. I'm on my oh, way. Oh, that does and, make and that's more like, sense, yeah. That would make more sense from a, an age perspective. But uh, Hawks is calling while Endeavor is fighting a villain in the background. And he asks um, after Deku. But Deku's danger sense pings again and he rushes off. And so Hawks is like, well, he doesn't want anybody to get caught up in this, huh? So get completely ready to intercept and isolate uh, you know, him. The, 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 the only way to do it. But if I, if those who broke into Tartarus so easily are completely ready, then this is over for us. Like Midoriya has the right idea. We need to be going after them. So we can't give them time. Um, but it's like he said, we have a better chance of winning if we make that first move, but it's going to be hard yeah. and all we can do is support him. Yeah. I mean, he's totally right. Like if, if and I think, uh, you know, if all for one had his way, 
they're attacking or they're scheming. Something's happening. I mean, he he openly admitted, and we as the audience know that he is not planning on giving the heroes time to recuperate. So we know that mm-hmm. something is going to happen sooner than later. And clearly, Deku is obviously aware of that as well. He is. I think he said it earlier that he doesn't trust them to give them time. Like it wouldn't surprise him if Shigaraki came after him. That's totally a move that they would make. So he doesn't want to give them that time. And yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's cool here that Hawks is just kind of like, are you ready to do that? Like, are you ready to support him and however he needs it? And uh, so we we kind of get this like flashback a few days earlier. Yeah, it's a flashback. Yeah, and we see Deku's in the hospital. The doctor is literally telling him like, hey, look, this time your injuries are a little bit different. Like the previous times you've been injured, it was like your quirk was exploding from the inside. But this time the explosions happened on the outside. So you didn't get as banged up. And you also had the one quirk that was basically shielding you. So nothing's really broken. You're going to get better. But your stuff is still getting worse. So be careful. Like It's like, okay, dude. <laughs> Do you remember... What the doctor looked like in the anime wasn't he just a dude with like kind of like nondescript with black hair and a black mustache or something okay yes i for, i meant to go double check this after i went to the manga for comparison but you remember the doctor that looked after endeavor and said hey i'm still R- rooting, rooting for, you? for you yeah he he looked like a mushroom man yeah it's not the same guy I, right no this guy looks like freaking mario in the manga <laughs> like he does have black poofy hair and it's even it, the shape is indicative of a hat, huh. um, and he's got this like big mustache that goes all the way across his face. It's Ma- Mario characters are running the doctors in West City or where wherever that's it is. Funny. Or it's West something. I think huh, that's really funny. That can't not be intentional. Um, but anyway, All Might and Inko are there, and Inko's wanting some questions answered, which is usually what she wants. <laughs> it, most, of, most of the time, if she's involved in the scene, she's like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. she's been left uh, out of the loop on like everything. Poor girl. Yeah, uh, but All Might decides, like, I guess now is the time to to maybe fill her in on what's going on and even gets the nod of approval from from Deku. And so she gets the full business of, of what this power is and who's after him. Uh, and I love this because we, we kind of catch up in the manga, at least at the very end of this conversation in this, this info dump on Inko. And he says his power, he's able to maintain it because he was born quirkless, but that's also why the bad guys are coming after him. And she's just, I love this manga panel. It's so simple. She's sitting on the like bedside next to Midori and she's just holding his hand and his head is uh, down. Like his chin is on his chest and she just wants to know what's going to happen to him. And, All Might starts to say, well, we're making arrangements to keep him protected at UA. And Midoriya's like, I'm not going back there. Uh, And this is, this is the kind of the, this is comes as a shock to All Might too. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because Midori is the only one that is pointing out, like, look, if if I'm there, Shigaraki can find me. He's just going to come after me and I'm not going to put all these people at risk. He says, you know, the villains can't get completely healed or it'll be worse. So I'm going to have to go and find them and stop them now. So I've got to get stronger. And And then Inko totally moms. And she's like, but you're here because you couldn't beat him. Like she is momming all over him in this scene. And his response is just, I'll get stronger. And while that's probably going to be an accurate statement, that can't have been... a satisfying answer to Inko. Oh, no like way. I feel no way. <laughs> so bad for her. And and she says, um, 
She says, I, I said I felt relieved, but I don't like it. And I love, Mid now Midoriya does the really good kid thing here. Like he starts to treat his mom with with very caring gloves. Not that he was, you know, uncaring earlier. He was but just honest. Yeah, he was being very blunt. But here he says, you know what, do you remember? And he kind of talks around this without some context. But he's like, you know, um, when when you thanked me and smiled, you don't know how happy that made me. And he's referring to when he was playing as All Might as a kid, yeah. which has whole new context for Inko now because he has that power that All Might had. Right. It's his now. Um, and so he said, that made me feel so happy and that's why I'm going. And so he says, don't worry, I'll definitely come back, which I, that's a, that's a, that's, that's what your mama wants to hear, but that's a promise you better be able to keep. Man. Yeah, no like, joke, especially going up against you know the crowd I mean? he's going up against. Like, he knows what he's walking yeah. into, and he knows how dangerous it is. He almost didn't make it out of this last one, so, yeah. Right. And then poor All Might is, like, watching this whole thing go down, and all he is remembering is promising Inca, like, that he was going to raise Midoriya and protect yes. him. And he's sitting there realizing he can't stop Deku from making this decision either. Yeah, I love that that All Might's mind goes back to that scene, too, where he's just prostrated himself before Inko. Yeah. And it's just like, I will protect him and raise him up, even if it costs me my life. And then he's going, okay, that's the promise that I made. And now is when I'm either going to keep that or not keep it. And so he looks at Midoriya and he says, I, I can't stop you and you're going to go. So that means I'm going to. Um, and I love that declaration of intent from All Might. Oh, yeah, here. absolutely. We get a phone call from Best Genus, the weirdest phone call ever, uh, the way that he's holding Because of it. the way he's holding the yeah, phone. Yeah, even Hawks <laughs> yeah. is just like, dude, what is up with you? Uh, he's so extra all the time. He really time. is. That's why I don't understand why he like apologized for being uh, like body in that one capture that he did. I was like, dude, you're always, <laughs> you're always extra. Like you don't have to, it's just who you are. Just lean just into, lead it. into it. I mean, yeah. you already do. Yeah. Don't deny it. That's what you well, well, first do. of all, he's, he's driving around the city in the Batmobile. Like he can do whatever he wants, you know? Yeah. Well, gr we do catch up with Gran Torino who is like uh, talking to Midoriya here. And uh, basically he's saying that like, look, I'm really sorry you're having to deal with this. I should have been the one to kill him talking about Shigaraki. And uh, he yeah. says, look, kid, don't be too stubborn. Like, there are times when you need to kill someone to save them. And he says, no matter what you decide, go settle things with the League of Villains. And he hands Deku his scarf. And uh, Deku, you know, puts it on over his, his, like, hero outfit as he walks out to meet the top three heroes in All Might. And basically explains that they're going to team up in order to keep there from being more victims and in order to stop all for one. And it's like all of them kind of, like, walking off into the distance. Man, I love Gran Torino's message to Deku here when he's like, don't be so rigid in your thought that everyone can be saved is basically what he's saying. Yeah. Killing can be another way to save someone. And he says, never forget that. Like, bro, you need to remember this. You might have to kill somebody in order to save them. Mm -hmm. There might not be, there may not be another way to do this. Yeah. Um, and he's just keeping it real, Gran Torino keeping it real. And I like um, that he, Gran Torino actually hands Midoriya his cape. It's not that Midoriya swipes it on his way no. out or asks for it. 
Gran Torino hands him his cape. I think there's something to that. I touch on that a little bit. Oh, I do too. Well. I think it's it's like Gran Torino's way of trying to be like, look, I'm going to be with you and also remember what I just told you. Like, keep this on yeah. you so you remember. When you see this, you know that sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Yep. Um, I, I want to send you, I'll send this to you um, in the chat before we end, but the, the final page of uh, whatever chapter this is, 309, where it has Endeavor, Hawks, Midoriya, Best Genus, and, and All Might on the page is really cool. Um, and you you definitely need to see it. I know you're not much one for checking in on the manga, but I'm going to make you look at this page because it's Yeah, good. for sure. It says, Team Up, Top 3, and Deku, and All Might. Which is super clunky, but it can it it says what it needs it it does what it needs to do. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, that's the end of uh, one. What is this? One thirty one and one thirty two. Yeah, one thirty one and one thirty two. So, I've strong episodes, but I will say, Adam, I have already watched the next two, uh, and one of the next two is in my top five episodes of the anime of Dang, all time. Dang, that's wild! I know that there is a new character introduced. I did watch the like previews, so I know that we're meeting uh, this lady Nagant. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see a new character, and and man, I'm super stoked to see this like. Deku in a wasteland. It's very uh, Mad Max, except with Midoriya. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there is a strong argument to be made that um, My Hero, as it is, or where it is in the anime, is post-apocalyptic literature. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. That's a fair, that is that is the genre that it is currently. Yeah. Um, the apocalypse has happened. It maybe hasn't happened fully because there's still this climactic battle but apocalypses can can unfold in stages like go and read book of revelation if you're into that kind of yeah i mean it's still happening there's bad stuff and it gets worse (laughs) until it's until it's you know not bad right right um so yeah it's uh it's post-apocalyptic literature right now um which is a far cry from a sports festival you know what i mean joke this the tone of this anime has changed so much it's pretty incredible honestly it is it is aged up in some ways, even though the characters haven't really, the the environment has, the narrative has, the conflict has, um, and not just not just conflict from the perspective of you know all for one versus one for all, but even these interpersonal dramas um, are climaxing in very meaningful and in very potent ways that far outstripped where I thought these things might have headed. For instance, like. Todoroki's beef with his dad in season two. I didn't see it going this no, far. No, no and, and being this deep and having all of its layers and being explored as uh, intentionally and, and developed as intentionally as it has been. I'm here for all of it. I mean, this this show has really grown up in some very, some very good ways. I honestly don't know. I don't know if I would think as highly of the anime if it hadn't. Like, if it had stayed as saccharine as, like, season two or or one was you know what I yeah, mean? yeah i agree like the 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 way this show matured needed to happen for it to to continue with the excellency that it has had if that makes sense yeah and part of it is kids being in real peril oh yeah i mean yeah i'm 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 vocally not a big fan of like child soldier stuff um but the, those kids and the pros they had to suffer meaningful defeats for this stuff to really carry any kind of weight. And they have like this season has really delivered on that front. And it's like, 
there are stakes now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Where where it's like, yeah, there were stakes earlier, and some of those stakes could be put in air quotes, um, but not anymore. Like people are dead. Some are probably still to die. Um, and and now that we know that death is on the table, it's it could come for anybody. Uh, and I, I prefer that. I don't like for untouchable protagonists. Um, I think I've probably doted on that at some point earlier on in the AMP, just about like make the stakes real. Because if, if the protagonists, if the people that we're supposed to care about are immune from them, you can put them in whatever peril that you want to. I'm, it, I'm not going to be sold on it. I don't think that's where my hero is right now. No, I agree with you. Like at any point in time, it wouldn't surprise me if we had characters, you know, die. It could become a new frequent thing. I, I don't expect it to, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm not saying that like half a 1A has to die in order for this to be good. <laughs> Atkins is content. like, I want everyone dead at the end of this. No one survives. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stane no, has to kill everybody. I don't think he has to anymore. That's part of my argument. I think that he's just like, oh, you got. Uh, th- my work has he's been like, done. Oh, Sweet. I guess I'm a hero out. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it, there's, a, there's an interesting argument to be made that he could just totally switch back to being a straight up yeah, hero. Or retire, <clears throat> you know? Yeah, well, he went and got a sword. I don't, I don't suspect he did that to go and and be a recluse somewhere. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to wait this all be... out at the pub. Like he's going to go be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere. I'd be interested to see if he just automatically switches sides, or if it is done, you know, through a, uh, uh, an encounter and a conversation. You know, like it would be strange if the scene plays out as Stain just walking up to UA and everybody's on like high alert. Oh no, no, hero killer Stain is here, and he's like, "Sup guys, I'm with y'all." Yeah, like I changed sides. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Sorry good guy now. Before. I swear. He, like he yeah, brings yeah. cookies. <laughs> yeah, as a peace offering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a sign of my good intentions. Here, here, have some oh, cookies. Minetta would let him in immediately. Like mm. cookies and porno, Minetta lets him in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Right. <laughs> With that, you all right, yeah, bud? Good. With that, I think maybe we end <laughs> tonight's episode of the AMP. So we appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you in a week. See you guys. Soon.